Now tonight I said I was going to get into this matter that came out in the Camden Courier by Steve Allen. And he is, of course, very much against me, has been, and everything that he's written. And he went down to Cape May and he came up with a blistering sarcasm about our meeting. And I read it, I thought, could a man in his right mind ever treat a religious organization or a religious body like this? The disrespect and the sarcastic way in which he, he treated us. And somebody said, you answer that. Well, I would like to have done it, but I was so busy I couldn't answer anything. And we let it go. It had to pass. And then he came out with his second article, A Reader Strike Back which I'm going to deal with tonight. But before I get into it, I want you to turn with me to this 140th Psalm. And I want you to see the things that are in this Psalm, some of the great spiritual realities and principles which are written here. And the psalmist says, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. There are men who are evil. There are such creatures. And they are after the godly man. They don't like him. And then the psalmist goes on and says, Preserve me from the violent man. And there are those who actually will use violence. They'll use violence in order to destroy a man. This past week, the newspapers carried a story that Senator Dirksen from Illinois had had three threats on his life. One of these threats was said to have been planned for his office. He was to have been shot or dealt with in his office. I was just listening on the air at news time and I heard the voice of the senator wondering why anybody would kill him because he said he wouldn't even kill a bird. But we've reached a day when violence is in this land. Presidents are assassinated. Negro leaders are shot down. Candidate for the president of the United States is killed at the climax of a victory he won. And now here are three threats made on the life of the minority leader of the United States Senate. And when you begin to see things like this happening, you can pray a prayer like this. Deliver me from the violent man. There are those who will use violence. There are those who will use various things which imagine, imagine mischief in their heart. It's out of the heart that these wicked devices come. And continually are they gathered together. And beloved, when you stand for God and you stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and you stand for a decent life and a respectable family and you stand for the things that are decent and you stand for these things, the evil men don't like it and the evil men are about wagging their tongues and they have mischief in their hearts. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. 
And you and I live in a world that is wicked. It's under the dominion. It's under the power of Satan himself. This is the world which he rules. And he's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And beloved, I just want to say to you, this world is full of plotters and schemers. In your offices, in your businesses, where men are seeking promotion or other things, they scheme and they plot. Out in the world at large, they scheme and they plot. Everywhere you turn, somebody has some desire to hurt this person, to injure this person, to do something to this person. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, please deliver me from an evil man. Please protect me. Now that's the kind of a prayer that we're going to have to pray more and more. You people have come to church tonight, and I'm glad to see so many of you here. But we know, and you know, that all throughout this area, especially in the Philadelphia area, the churches are closed up tonight. And some of the churches that are even good churches, people won't go to them anymore at night. They will not go out after dark. We've reached a day when it's dangerous and women are afraid and they won't get on buses and they won't travel. And we're finding ourselves prisoners of our own little villas. We have to stay in them and we have to guard ourselves. And if we keep going, we'll all have walls and fences built around them like they have in South America. The kind of a land which we have known where people were free and where things were open. Why, ten years ago, you could go down the street and park your car and even leave your key in it. Now, if you leave your key in it, you'll lose your insurance. Things have changed some. You just don't dare. You've got to guard and watch and protect and be on your, uh, on your alert. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, you just deliver me from these evil men. And then he said, they've sharpened their tongues like a serpent, like an adder. Poison is under their lips. They lie. They manufacture tales. They take something that has just a little substance in it and then they twist it around and the first thing you know they've got a big story and a big tale. Now I know what we're talking about because I'm the victim of this sort of thing. I'm the victim of this sort of thing. And I understand the other night on the radio on the Ford show here, Frank Ford made some passing reference to me of some derogatory nature and he had some sort of a uh, some sort of a theologian from up in Temple University, and he made a remark that Mr. McIntyre was paranoid. And that went out on the radio in this area. What in the world are we coming to? No, I'm a man in my right senses. At least I think I am. My wife thinks I am, and you think I am. But I am a man in my right senses. But I am a man at the present time who is the victim of a great many attacks. And a paranoid is somebody who imagines that somebody's attacking him. But I don't imagine it. I don't imagine it. But that's the type of thing that was said on the radio the other night, just a couple of weeks ago, on the Frank Ford show. And he didn't mention my name. He spoke of the preacher over in New Jersey. But he didn't mention the name. And that's the way they do it to get out from under the FCC so-called fairness doctrine. No name mentioned. But the psalmist is saying they have tongues. They're like a serpent, and there's poison in their lips. 
And beloved, we've got to learn how to recognize poison. We've got to know, learn how to, to, to separate that poison from that which is good. And I can understand the prayer of the psalmist because these things multiply and they multiply and they multiply and they get so numerous and they're on every hand and you can't possibly meet them or keep up with them. It's impossible. And so the psalmist says, Lord, you take care of me. You deliver me. Notice verse 4. Keep me, Lord. Keep me from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me. These have purpose to overthrow my goings. Beloved, if you want to see somebody who was troubled with opposition and thought he's a paranoid, you might say David was a good, had a good case of paranoia. Because there it is. He's absolutely sure that they're out to throw him down. And he's saying, Lord, will you please, please undertake for me all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what the Lord says. And it's the ungodly world hating the witness and the life of the Christian. Now Time Magazine came out with this story on the ICC. And uh, we plan in this week's issue of the Beacon to take the time story of the Upsala Assembly, put it on one side, the time story of the ICC Assembly, and put it on another side and let you read them and see how they handle them. But the writer of that story about us undoubtedly thought he was really ribbing us and really getting at us. When he opened the time story by saying, even since such a sedate place as Cape May, it was quite a spectacle to have all these people there with nobody smoking and nobody drinking. And they were spending their time uh, talking about the scriptures. And the way the thing is written, it's supposed to be a reflection against us as intelligent people. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad that something impressed him. It must have been quite a spectacle to go somewhere and find a bunch of people that didn't smoke find a crowd of people that weren't drinking and weren't carrying on, weren't carousing. We didn't have anything like it. Even in sedate Cape May, this was a spectacle. And that's the way he opened his story and his reflections against it. But, beloved, the apostle is telling us right now that no matter how you live as a believer, you're clean and you're straight, they'll find something to turn and something to use against you. They'll know it. Now notice he comes on down a little further in verse 6. He said, I said unto thee, O Lord, thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. You know what the psalmist is saying now? Lord, their attacks are all about us. They're numerous. They're making these accusations. They're setting gins. They're setting traps. They're setting snares. They're setting these things to take us. And I see them. But Lord, you're my God. And in the day of battle, you'll cover my head. And I don't need to be afraid of them. I don't need to retreat from them. I need only to trust you and to go ahead. Now, this is one reason I've decided to take the little turn that I have in these Sunday night messages. 
I don't intend to just preach you people from nice little sweet messages and let you go home and go to sleep. I intend to preach you people some messages on Sunday night that will deal with what's going on in our area. And I intend to take the news of what's taking place in our area, plus the facts as we find them here in the Bible and passages such as I've given you tonight, and draw the connection and tie them together. You not only have to tell people what evil is, but you have to tell them what the name of it is and where you can find it. And you not only have to tell people what evil is and what the name of it is and where you can find it, but you have to continue to do it. You have to constantly expose these things so that God's people will be on the alert. And I believe tonight, beloved, that all around us, families are losing their children. Daughters are getting into sin. Sons are wandering away. I believe all around me, even in our own church, we have young people who are talking impudently to their parents in areas of this kind. And they should have respect to their parents and respect to their mother and father. And I see these things taking place. And if the preacher won't deal with them, if the preacher won't raise the questions, if the preacher won't clarify the issue, it won't be clarified. Now, beloved, there's one reference here that I want you to notice. Verse 11. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. And that's your warrant to vote for honorable men in elections. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. That's your biblical warrant to see that we have some men in political life who are not evil speakers. And I'm anxious as we see these days deepening and darkening. And as I see the letting down in our political life in our own area. And as I see some of the caliber of men that are running for office. I am anxious. And I pray that there will be some men with some character and with some integrity and with some principle who will go out and run for office. Let not an evil speaker be established in the land. And that is your warrant. And that is the great responsibility that you and I have in these matters. And that's why we believe in voting. We don't believe where these people say, I don't believe in voting, I don't believe in voting. No, we have a responsibility in our country to vote. And to vote for decent people and honorable people. And people who will not be evil speakers who will deceive us. Now there it is in the Bible. Now notice the next thing. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. I know, he says. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. Because he's going to take care of us from these evil speakers. He's going to take care of us from these mischievous men. He's going to take care of us from these evil individuals. He's going to take care of us. That's what he says he's going to do. But this text right here where he says, evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I have maintained, and I still maintain, and I do it on the basis of such passages as this one as I find him in the Bible. If the civilized world, or the world we call civilized, the free world, 
or the world which we call the Western world, which is represented primarily by us and our strength in the United States, if we had left the communist alone, refused to recognize, it was Roosevelt that recognized Russia and got us into our troubles. If we'd refused to have the dealings with Russia, I can tell you people tonight that this text would have been fulfilled. Evil will hunt the violent man. And I'm certain if the Western world hadn't to put its arms around the communists and strengthen them and given them all that they needed, $3 billion went to Tito. These steel mills went to Poland. And if we hadn't done all of these things, the evil and the corruption which is inherent in that awful repudiation of God, it would have brought the internal breakdown of that system. It would have happened. Evil cannot sustain itself. It has to be sustained by other forces. And the principle is written in this passage. And that's why the Lord says that if we resist the devil, he'll run away. You just turn the light on him and he'll get out of the way as fast as he can. He loves the dark. That's why the Bible says, lift up your voices like trumpets, cry aloud. That's what the Bible says, whatsoever doth make manifest is light, just turn on the light. And men love darkness better than light because their deeds were evil. But whatsoever is good, it will come to the light. It seeks the light. But that which is evil hates the light. And this is the divine principle that's written all across history. It's written all across human experience. Evil itself will pursue the violence and bring him down. And whosoever takes a sword will perish by the sword. That's what our Lord said. That's the principle of it. But we do not have men in public life that believe that anymore. I don't know whether you people heard my broadcast the other day. I guess it was this week. I had quite a time. I don't usually engage in satire because it's difficult to do it on the radio because it's misunderstood. The minute you begin to use satire or sarcasm or certain figures of speech in a radio where people tune in here and they haven't heard you three minutes before or back here, and they hear that kind of talk, sure as you're alive, they get you mixed up, and then you're in trouble. So on the radio, you cannot engage in this type of ministry very often. It's dangerous to do it. The radio ministry has to be simple. It has to be plain. It has to be direct. It has to be sincere. It has to be that if you're going to do anything on the radio today. But I did get into a satirical mood the other day when I read in the paper that the State Department had decided that we were going to retaliate for the invasion of Czechoslovakia. And my, oh my, this terrible aggression of the Russians. And we were going to show our rejection of it by canceling a tour by a Minneapolis band of Russia. And so we have done the noble thing of canceling a tour of Russia by a great Minneapolis band. And they will not go. They were going to visit 11 cities. And then I read on Saturday that the United States also has decided that there was to be a, two tours were going to be made of Poland. And since Poland contributed and assisted 
in the invasion of Czechoslovakia, we would cancel these tours of Poland. Now, I don't know whether you heard that broadcast or not, but I really did have a time. Imagine showing our total disdain for awful, awful evil by just withholding a little music from it. What do the Russians care about our music anyhow? But I'm surprised that they even did that. I really am. Knowing how they think and knowing how they feel we must help. I, I should think they'd have said, well, now we must do something, but we can't lose contact. We've got to establish this contact. We've got contact with them, and so we'll keep the contact. So instead of just keeping the band out, we'll tend the band, but we'll take away the drums and the raucous instruments, and we'll send them some flutes or something else. But that's the way they think. And this passage says right here, evil shall haunt the violent man. It'll hunt him down. And if we would not help the violent man, if we would not help sustain these forces that are destroying freedom, they would break down of their own inherent corruption, and that's what the Bible says. But who believes it? Now, don't you say that your pastor and I is getting into politics because I'm not. I'm, it's in the Bible. I'm showing you that here in the Bible are these deep abiding spiritual principles which should govern our personal conduct, our family conduct, our business conduct, our national conduct. These are the principles that God has laid down which will keep us an honorable, a decent, and a free people. Now that's the 140th Psalm. The psalmist says, Lord, they're all around me. And help me, they're after me to destroy me. But Lord, I put my trust in you, and in the day of battle you'll cover my head, and I'll be there. And furthermore, Lord, you've taught me that these violent men, if you just leave them to their own corruption, that evil will hunt them out. And evil will bring them down to ruin, and it will. Now, beloved, this Camden Courier over here is quite a paper. I've been standing in this pulpit 35 years this month, beloved, and I thank God for the years that he's given me. But in these 35 years, they've had a Saturday page over there in which they've asked preachers and ministers. They always have a Roman Catholic column. But in 35 years, and I've not in, been invited even once to contribute a column as a minister to the Camden Clay. Not one. You'd think that in 35 years they might get around to McIntyre. You'd think that in all these years they might say, well, maybe you could let Mr. McIntyre write a column on a Saturday. The other preachers write them. The other preachers are invited to do so, and they're there every Saturday. Look at it. But I just want you to know that we've got a beautiful, lovely paper that doesn't discriminate against ministers at all. Everybody's invited to write in their column. Everybody's included. Well, that's the way we've been treated. And I want the whole country to know it. But I have spoken out very strongly, and in recent years, the Roman Catholics have become stronger and stronger in our area. And I've been speaking out against some of the things that they've been doing, and the Camden Courier more and more has become a Roman Catholic paper itself. 
constant spreads, constant news, constant activity, but they do not give similar treatment to the Protestants and especially to those of us who are maintaining the historic and the old line Protestant position, which was the position that all the churches had in South Jersey. And we're in the midst of a situation that we face and which we recognize and which we have to deal with. But it so happens that even when they do write these things against us, their policy up to the present time has been more or less just to not write anything, not report our activities, not give us. Oh, beloved, when the Methodist bishop goes around, he gets big pictures, or anybody moves and goes across the country or out of the country or anywhere else, you've got stories and reviews and pictures and foreign guests come in here and you have pictures. Beloved, I dare say we've got more foreign visitors, and I dare say we've traveled in and out of this country more than anybody else in this area. Does anybody ever get a report on it in the Camden Courier? No. Do they ever give you any reports that Mr. Mangtyre's been here, Mr. Mangtyre's been back, or Mr. Mang? No. Not at all. And in the last 20 years, Ms. Mangtyre and I have been around the world 14 times, and I'm sure there's no preacher in the area that's been around the world 14 times. Why, why, why? Well, I understand why, and you understand why, and you understand that there's something going on in this area of the press. And this is one reason some of us felt that we needed an outlet through the radio. And this is one reason some of us felt when the time came that we would buy a radio station and face seminary as a radio station. And we're broadcasting on that radio station, and I'm free to tell you people what's been going on for 35 years. Just imagine, I've been here longer than any other preacher around here. They can't even dig up a preacher that's been here 35 years. They've all come and gone, and we're still here. But, beloved, in all those 35 years, I've never been invited to submit one single column for their Saturday religious page and have my picture on that page like the other preachers do. Isn't that nice? Isn't that lovely? But at least I can say so. At least I'm in a position now with a radio. And at least we're in a position where we can say so. And furthermore, beloved, in these years that you and I have been here, we've seen a movement take shape. Now we're a part of something that the world can't ignore. And now we're a part of something that's developed and it has certain proportions. And we've got influences in other sections of the world and their overturnings. And this thing is beginning to reach proportions where it can no longer be ignored. And you can say what you want to, but when Time Magazine last week gave us the entire Protestant section of their weekly journal and sent that out to their 22 million readers, and they told about the rise of this movement, and they did say that the movement was steady and steadfast, and they did admit that it was growing, and we now have 140 denominations, separate denominations all over the world. And this is of historic significance. And what is being done here in the place of Collingswood in the years that we've been here, no matter what you may say about it, it's going to have a place in the history of the church of the 20th century. It's going to be there, the Camden Courier to the contrary, or anybody else. But this thing has reached a proportion now under the blessing of God where they've got to be able to do something about it. The Wilmington Journal last week had a long editorial about us, against us. 
Now the Courier will have an editorial pretty soon. It'll come out right away. It won't be long. They haven't written an editorial against me yet in all these years, but it'll be coming. It won't be long until you see a big editorial in the Cameron Courier against Dr. McIntyre's terrible spirit. It'll be there. Now that's what you've got in this man out. This man, Allen, came over to our hearing. By the way, you'll be interested to know this last week that down in Washington, D.C., the Federal Communications Commission's Broadcast Bureau, which is fighting this case for us, filed a brief against us of 250 pages. That's their legal brief. And that's not the brief for the interveners, the other side at the uh, Council of Churches. But here's the Broadcast Bureau of the FCC itself filing a 250-page brief telling the FCC why WXUR should be put off the air. Things are going on, beloved, and I know it, and I see it. And when I see these things, I'm going to use my pulpit like I'm using it tonight. And next Sunday night, I'm going to get into this area here of these religious influences in the Philadelphia area that are telling our boys not to serve their country and to defy the draft when they're called to serve the flag. Now this Steve Allen writes his story, and he... He says some things here which go to the heart of the problem, to the heart of the whole issue, and I want to give it to you. Satirizing fundamentalist preacher Dr. McIntyre. So he admits he was satirizing me. He was doing it to me, just doing it to me. He wasn't reporting the ICC Congress. He didn't go down there to tell anybody what was going down. He went down to get something against Dr. McIntyre, and he writes his own column, satirizing fundamentalist preacher Dr. Carl McIntyre. His first sentence in his column gives him away. He wasn't interested in reporting the ICC Congress to the people, no. He was interested in doing something against Dr. Carl McIntyre in his column in the Camden Courier, and his first sentence admits it. I remember when he came over to see me at the trial. I was over there at the WXUR, and he came around, and I said, Mr. Allen, well, I don't. makes no difference who comes to me. I treat them nice. I always have, and I always will. I want to treat everybody as gentlemanly, and I try to be as gracious and polite as I possibly can to anybody who comes to me. If it's the worst enemy I've got, I'll try to smile at him. I have nothing to be afraid of, and he came over there. I remember when he came around and talks to you. They come up to you this way, and, and I was suspicious of him. Well, he went back and wrote a column that was an attack on me. But now he says, satirizing fundamentalist preacher Dr. Carl McIntyre. Well, all right, it's nice to know that that's what he's doing. It's nice to know that that's what he's trying to do and using the columns of the Camden paper to get at Dr. McIntyre in the public mind and to discredit Dr. McIntyre. And that's why I'm going to preach on these things and I want to see this church on mine on Sunday nights filled up with people. I'm going to get into these current local issues in my community where I'm preaching the gospel and I want you to bring people in here and I want you to hear what I have to say in defense of our testimony and in the advancement of the gospel in this area. 
What would happen if we could have a revival in Collingswood? What would happen if the Spirit of God would fall down upon us here in South Jersey? What would happen if we'd see young people getting saved and turning from all the wickedness and the drink and the corruption that they're becoming involved in tonight? What would happen? Well, beloved, it will never happen unless we have some preachers who are going to bring the issues into sharp focus and present them to the people. Well, after Alan admits what he's up to, he then says in this particular column that he's going to quote from uh, some of the letters that he got in response to his abuse. May I say this? He does admit here, and this is at least encouraging as far as we're concerned, because I didn't have a chance to speak up for myself. I couldn't. I just am not physically able to do all these things. But he goes on here to say, to say that the response to this column, both in letters and telephone calls, was voluminous would be an understatement. So apparently when he wrote this attack upon us, he did get quite a few letters and even some telephone calls challenging him and, and uh, questioning what he said. Now he goes on to say, and he quotes these letters, says, I'm going to give you some letters. Now let me read you the letters that these people wrote. And then I want to read, after he quotes them, what he has to say. And may I read you what he has to say? What bothers me is the lack of tolerance for divergent opinion that is seen in many of his followers. So after he quotes these letters, you know, he turns around and gives us a big dig. What bothers him is that I'm guilty of making you people intolerant. You people are supposed to be followers of McIntyre, and therefore you have shown a very intolerant spirit, and in that intolerance he's very much bothered. But let's see what it is that makes you people intolerant. Let's see it is where it is that you are intolerant. Let's see what he says. Now here he quotes his first letter. How therefore we are printing some excerpts. I can tell by your column that you hate God and all that he stands for. But one day you will have to stand before him and give an account of yourself. You better not get too much of a charge against the sin in the sun as usual bit because God is not mocked. And it doesn't matter how educated, gifted, moral, or refined a person is, the natural man is blind to spiritual truth until he is born again by the Spirit of God. I'll be praying that the Holy Spirit will bring you under conviction and will release the hold that Satan has on you so you may become a child of God. That's a pretty good letter. I don't know who wrote it, but I'd like to know. Now, this is what he says. What bothers me is the lack of tolerance for divergent views that is seen in many of his followers. Well, beloved, if you people are listening to me, I've told you over and over again that if you're not saved, you're going to hell. And that's intolerance. I've told you over and over again, if you think you can find any other way into heaven except by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are mistaken. And if you trust any other way at the end of life's journey, you will never see the face of the Son of God. 
And beloved, it is the insistence which I make and which the gospel makes upon the preeminence of Jesus Christ, which is hurting this man. That's the thing that's hurting him. And that's the reason they're against us, and that's the reason you have this passage in the 140th Psalm. We say there's none other name under heaven, and there isn't. None other name given among men, and that's the Camden Courier included, whereby you must be saved. There's none other. And what bothers me is the intolerance of, the diver of divergence opinion that is seen in many of his followers. Beloved, I am just as intolerant as I can be. When a man tells me that he's going to be saved by his good works, I say, I'm sorry, sir, you'll die in your sins and you'll go to hell. Now, that's intolerance. Now, to be tolerant would be, sir, I appreciate your opinion on this matter. We all have many viewpoints, and we'd be very happy to respect yours. And if you're sincere in your opinion, go ahead and be sincere. And wouldn't I be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ to talk like that? Wouldn't I be a wonderful preacher to say, sir, Believe what you will. Just believe what you will. Come on, we're all right. We're all going down the same road. We'll all get there somehow. Don't worry. Don't be disturbed. Everything will be fine. After all, whoever he is up there, he's the man upstairs we like to talk about, and he loves everybody, and he won't send anybody to hell. And that's the line that's being taught, and that's the line that people are thinking, and that's tolerance. To be tolerant, you must accept all of the devil's gospels, too. To be tolerant, you must be willing to listen to all the different ways of salvation and say, well, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. That's your experience, that's fine. You do it your way, that's fine. We'll recognize this broad range of differences. Beloved, there is no broad range of difference when it comes to letting your sin pardon. There was only one cross on which a sacrifice was made that pardoned your sin. And we'll have to accept the charge of intolerance. We'll have to stand by the charge of intolerance. Beloved, I'll say to every single person that works in the Camden Courier, from the man that sweeps the floor to the man who determines the decision at the highest level, I'll say to every single person living in Camden County, I'll say to every single person in the state of New Jersey, I'll say to every single person in the United States, I'll say to every single soul that lives upon the face of this earth, Sir! you don't believe in Jesus Christ to the saving of your soul, you will perish in eternal judgment. Christians, are we going to be, are we going to be ashamed of the gospel because they say it doesn't tolerate divergence opinion? No, beloved, we're going to defend the gospel because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. 
And when you people think of Dr. McIntyre and his ministry and my ministry will be over here one of these days in the good providences of God and I'll be taken away in God's time. But beloved, when I am gone, you will say there was one thing that McIntyre stood for when he occupied that pulpit and preached to us year after year. He told us that there was only one Redeemer and Jesus Christ said, I am the way. And we abandon every other way. We call everything else thieves and robbers. And we warn men of the paths of wickedness and judgment and of wrath to come. Picked up another clipping this afternoon. I may put this one on the air, but listen to this. Christian era may be over. This is Minneapolis. The Christian may, era may be over. Two sociologists have written in the recent issue of the social magazine Transit Action, quote, We have reached two main conclusions, writes Rodney Stark and Charles Y. Glock of the University of California at Berkeley. First, that the religious beliefs that have been the bedrock of the Christian faith for nearly 2,000 years are on their way out. And second, that this may very well be the dawn of a post-Christian era. The authorities consider the core of Christian faith to be, quote, a literal interpretation of the phrase, Christ crucified, risen, coming again. The substitution of an ethical for a literal view of this phase of the greatest, by the greatest theologians of our time is becoming increasingly popular, according to the authors. We're moving into an era that's called post-Christian, and that which the church has had for 2,000 years, Christ crucified, risen coming again. They know what it is, don't they? They know what it is that they're brushing aside. They know what it is which they're putting down. But let me give you one other thing in this letter. Let me read you this. Somebody else wrote him. And uh, they're telling him here, if you read your Bible and believed it, you would see that Dr. Carl McIntyre is not preaching hate. He is trying to explain the events printed in the newspapers of today. The Bible says there will be one world church, and it will be a harlot church. The Christian should have no part of it. The Christian should have no part. Now, I don't know who wrote these letters. I wish somebody would come forward and tell me or send me copies of them. Maybe you did. I don't know who wrote these letters. But, beloved, the Bible does say that in the end time there will be a Babylon church. And the Bible does say, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sin. And this is one of these letters, and this is one of the things that's covered by his blanket phrase. What bothers me is the lack of tolerance for divergence opinions that is in many of his followers. Beloved, I'm telling everybody that will listen to me that you must be in churches where the Bible's preached. 
I'm telling everyone that will listen to me that you ought not to help build this great inclusivist church where everybody has a different opinion, a different idea, and they call it broad-mindedness. Beloved, there are no differences of opinion concerning Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God or he is a great deceiver. There is no alternative. You either take him as he stands before us, virgin-born, sinless, crucified on a cross, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, coming back again to gather his bride to himself and to be the judge of the nations. We either take him as God gives him to us or you reject him. And you reject him, my friend, you will die. You will die. Now do you say the preacher can't take a subject that's current around about us and preach on it? Well, you have to preach on What is the intolerance? What is the intolerance? It's the gospel we believe. Only one gospel. Only one Savior. Only one God. Only one redemption. Only one faith. And we believe it. And we will believe it. And we will stand for it. Now let's see if he writes another column. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee tonight that we've been able to take out of this column the key things, the cutting things, the things that the natural man does not understand. We've been able to take them out and bring them up here to where they so clearly reveal that the difference is between those who have been saved and understand it and those who do not know the light we have in Christ. Oh, Father, use this message tonight. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.